sometimes it's going to be different guys, different matchups. Um, today it was Hunter Tyson's day, and he played really well. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. You've got Matt Smith here with you as we are talking about all things Clemson and the Tigers narrowly escaped at Little John last night. 71-68 over Wake Forest. Took a late rally to pull it off. Okay, so I was wrong. I thought Clemson would handle Wake with ease, but Wake was a little bit healthier than we suspected. And instead of turning the ball over their customary 15 times, Wake took care of the ball, squeezed the orange, and was hanging around right until the end, even having a 10-point lead in the first half. But in the end, it was Hunter Tyson dropping 21 points. Tyson is the zone breaker for Clemson, and that's exactly what they needed because Wake Forest played about 75% zone against Clemson. They had a seven-footer inside that gave Sims some issues, and the Clemson press was not there last night. So I thought Wake would turn it over, Clemson would win, but the Tigers' problems from from the foul line resurfaced, and to me, that was really the difference. The odds makers in Vegas had it at eight points. Then everybody loaded up on the Tigers at home against a hobbled Wake Forest team that didn't match up well against Amir Sims and Clemson. And that line ran up to nine and a half before tip off. But if you will look at what Clemson did from the foul line, just six of 16, which means Clemson is shooting in its last two games only 38% from the foul line. That's not going to do it. This is a team that shoots 70% on the season from the free throw line, at least prior to their game at NC State this past weekend. All of a sudden, they are on the wrong side of a mental hurdle. Clemson has the yips, hitting just 15 of 39 foul shots in the last two games, 6 of 16 last night against Wake Forest, but they pull it out thanks in large part to Hunter Tyson. And we talked about Clemson's three-point shooting and how they'd shot it pretty well at home, at least a a key group of guys. And those players that we talked about yesterday, Amir Sims, John Newman III, Curran Scott, and Hunter Tyson had hit 54% of their three-pointers in the last two home games. Last night, those players combined to hit 5 of 13, 38%. That ring a bell, so that's the same that the team shot from the foul line. That's what those four players shot from outside the arc. That was good enough to get Clemson the win. But what happens when Amir Sims is neutralized? What happens if he doesn't have the matchup advantage? I suspect that he would, and he'd be able to utilize his athleticism last night. He'd come up big in the press. Those things didn't materialize, so instead Clemson had to rely on Hunter Tyson knocking down some big shots and taking care of his matchup advantage. And just as an open letter to Brad Brownell, please, in the future, recruit some shooters just like Hunter Tyson. And I know that you may say that's easier said than done. I don't think that's true. Take a look across the landscape of mid-majors. There are plenty of guys out there shooting 80% from the foul line, 35% or better from the three-point line that are mid-major players that you just look at and you don't think they can handle it defensively in the ACC. But you've got to have some zone breakers as you build this team and, and move toward another NCAA tournament appearance. It has to happen. You need more Hunter Tysons, more performances like you got last night, especially when you're playing against a team like Wake Forest that decided, we'll play zone. 
we'll just play zone and make Clemson hit shots. And for the most part, they didn't. And they really paid dearly at the foul line as well because uh, Clemson, not only was it just hitting six of 16 foul shots and unable to put the game away, salted away when they needed to, missing the front ends of one and ones. So right now, scoring is just hard for Clemson when Amir Sims doesn't have a matchup advantage. So that's where I was wrong, where I was right. But in the end, Clemson gets victory number 10 and their fourth ACC win in their last five outings. So that's all positive news. Brad Brownell was pretty upbeat about it as well. He knows they've got problems, but he also knows they're correctable problems. If they can get over the mental hurdle of missing foul shots, he's got a pretty good club. Really happy for my players and, and proud of my guys. This was uh, this was you know a hard-fought game, and uh, I thought Wake played really well in the first half. Uh, a lot of credit to them. Um, came in here and just playing with confidence. They played – very well in their win against Boston College. I think it carried over. Um, you know, defensively we weren't quite as good in the first half, um, and some of that was was their offense. They had um, good execution. They got a couple offensive rebounds and scored. Uh, Sar made you know some tough shots. He's a talented scorer. He can you can be guarding him well, and he just turns and shoots over you. Um, you know, second half I thought we played pretty well uh, offensively. I thought we executed great. Um, you know, it's always challenging when you're playing against a team that's playing, you know, 75% zone um, and you haven't faced it that much. And so it's a little bit of a unique matchup that um, you just have to deal with it a little bit more than usual. And a lot of times in games you'll see one for eight or ten possessions. And, um, you know, we had to deal with it. I thought the second half we really did a good job. And uh, happy for Hunter. Hunter's been playing well. Uh, I've kind of told you guys, I think he and Kern have played played better for us after the break, and I think it's really helped our team. Uh, their scoring and confidence is, is, uh, has helped us, and uh, just really happy. He's he's an extremely hard worker, and, and uh, you know, he's starting to do more things. He's finished plays around the basket now. His strength and the weight training and, and added weight has helped, um, and that's partly um, – helped his confidence as well. So he's playing at a good level and and uh, certainly was uh, man of the match for us today. Sim spinning and hit him. And his foul. That'll do it. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. We will have some more guests for you coming up later this week, including something we'll have Will Merritt back on and talking with Will about something important to him. Clemson fans are in a funny place if you are like Will and you do not adhere to the gospel of the recruiting services because Clemson has long made Tremendous strides in player development with a lot of guys that were not five-star recruits. Now, of course, if you're a Clemson fan, you remember there have been a few just super recruits that were five-star rated by everybody, rivals, Yahoo, everything, 24-7 sports. And you could go back through the history of Clemson, and you know they've landed a few big ones. Sammy Watkins comes to mind, C.J. Spiller, Trevor Lawrence out of the state of Georgia. 
But then Clemson's also gotten its fair share of guys, Adam Humphreys, James Skalski, that are difference makers. Gaines Adams was one of those players. Real difference makers that were not considered elite recruits. They weren't your blue chippers. So Will and I are going to go into that a little bit. How do you look at that from a Clemson perspective, a team that right now has the number one recruiting class in all of the nation, according to the recruiting services? But what if you're like Will and you don't adhere to that gospel? Will himself was a player, you know, made himself in the weight room, made himself in the film room, and Clemson has had plenty of those that have turned out to be contributors for both ACC championship winning teams or now national championship winning teams that were not at the top of the charts according to the recruiting services. It's not bad to have those guys. You need that mix. You need Travis Etienne. Now, I I guess that's an odd example because he's someone, I believe it was a three-star recruit and then he was elevated to a four-star recruit and back and forth. But you need players like that. You need the absolute elite athleticism provided by a T. Higgins, provided by a Justin Ross. But it doesn't hurt to have a Tanner Muse either. Someone that figures things out and just makes up his mind, he's going to be an all-conference player. And Will Merritt was one of those coming out of Wren High School. So he looks at it perhaps through a different lens. So we'll talk about that with Will later on this week. And how do you view that as a Clemson fan and football observer? And what does the future hold for recruiting? And how how should you look at it when Clemson is bringing in an elite recruiting class? And how do you evaluate recruits individually and then as a whole as how they're going to contribute and become a part of the fabric of that Clemson winning culture? And are there diamonds in the rough? Should we look past the fact that Clemson is the number one recruiting class right now in all of college football and start to dig who's on the back end of that recruiting class? Who's not making the headlines? And which one of those guys could be your next Tyler Grisham or Adam Humphreys or Hunter Renfro or Wayne Gallman? Because Clemson has done plenty of damage with those players as well. Let's get back to our feature this week, ranking the 29 victories in Clemson's 29-game winning streak. I, we've gotten sidetracked a little bit because Clemson Hoops has, has gone so well, winning four out of five in conference play. And I started this thinking I would get it done in a week, and here we are, we're stretching it into week number two. And, you, you know, I know you're waiting to debate with me, so let me get to some of them. Number 29 on the list in my order of the 29 wins for Clemson in its 29-game winning streak by order of significance. I've got the win over Louisville last year, 77-16. I've kind of rethought this one. Maybe I should have put this one better than last, but I just saw a Louisville team quit. But in that game, by the way, Clemson rushed for 492 yards, so still impressive. I don't have it very high in terms of significance. Probably significant around the Petrino household because it's one of the things that cost him his job there in Louisville. Number 28 on the list, I've got Furman over uh, Clemson over Furman 48-7 to last season. 
Really like Clay Hendricks, really like that program, but it is just an FCS win. 27 on the list. I've got Georgia Tech, 52 to 14. This is the one this year. This is one that, this is why we do this, because it seemed like a bigger deal at the time. We didn't know what Clemson's defense was going to be like. We assumed it would be good with Isaiah Simmons returning, Brent Venables running it, pulling the strings. But with Georgia Tech shifting from the Triple option to a more of a pro-style offense under Jeff Collins. First, not just first season, first game. Clemson wins 52-14, to 14, so I don't have this one very high on the list. Uh, that was when Travis Etienne, however, had a, a, just a party going for 205 yards on just 12 carries. Number 26 on the list, I've got the 52-10 to 10 victory over Charlotte this year. That's when Clemson played. More than 100 players. Everybody got in on the act. I give Charlotte a lot of credit for not quitting there. 25 on the list. Another FCS program. Walford, 59-14. to 14. Tough to prepare for Josh Conklin and the Terriers. They've won three SOCON titles in a row. So I give them a real boost there. Getting them that win. 59-14 all the way up to 25. Syracuse this year, 41-6, 2019. Dino Babers didn't know what he had. And... I don't think anybody knew how special Eric Dungy was because he gave Clemson all sorts of fits against the Tigers. Now he's gone, and Clemson goes up to the Carrier Dome. I was there covering the game, and without Eric Dungy, they were a shell of themselves. They figured it out and righted the ship as time went on this season, finishing 5-7, and seven, but that was a pitiful performance up there in upstate New York. Number 23 on the list, Boston College this year, 59-7. to seven. At least this BC team had A.J. Dillon. Steve Adazio couldn't survive the season, and his teams couldn't compete in games like this. That's a major reason he's no longer there in Chestnut Hills. So there you go. Swinney and Venables continue to put people out of work. Number 22 on the list, NC State, 55-10 to 10 this year. Just a rebuilding year for Dave Doran. This is one the fight should have been stopped in the second round. How about number 21 on the list, 2018 Wake Forest, 63-3. I know there's a talent gap, but Clemson dropped 698 yards on the road in conference play against a team that finished 7-6 and, and went to a bowl game. That's impressive. 698 yards. Clemson punished Wake Forest last year. Duke last year. Clemson beat uh, the Blue Devils 35-6 again. Not as bad a Duke team as you might have might have thought. That's a, a Duke team that won eight games and, and had a first-round pick playing quarterback in Daniel Jones. And in that game, Clemson and that Brent Venables pass defense limited Jones to just 158 yards passing. Number 19 on the list, Wake Forest this year, 52-3. to There were injuries to Wake. They lost both of their top two receivers coming into the game, but it was still impressive. Clemson didn't let Wake generate anything. And remember, the Demon Deacons were favored. I'm not favored. I'm sorry, not favored. Ranked much of the season, but they never recovered from the beating they took in Death Valley. Number 17 on the list, Florida State this season, 45 to 14. Now, don't forget, this Seminoles team has pro talent everywhere, but couldn't generate a thing against Clemson. Willie Taggart, Gone. So another one bites the dust in the Atlantic Division, thanks to Dabo Sweeney and Brent Venables. Number 18 on the list, 2018 Georgia Tech, 49-21. So that's Paul Johnson's swan song season. And another coach vanquished at the hands of Dabo Sweeney. Clemson held Tech to just 203 yards. The writing was on the wall for Paul Johnson, just like Adazio. 
it looked like Georgia Tech was never going to beat Clemson again. Uh, number 15 on the list, Georgia Southern, 38-7. Now, I've got them surprisingly high, but Georgia Southern was 10-3 and and had beaten App 34-14. Number 14 on the list, Louisville this season. Not an easy trip. All the way up there to the tip-top of Kentucky, almost in Big Ten country. And Clemson played really well after Trevor threw two first-quarter interceptions. Andrew Booth threw a punch, but eventually Clemson righted it. And Joseph Ngata had a nice game. And they went on to roll. Pretty impressive victory in a game I was covering there in Louisville. Number 13 on the list, 2019 South Carolina this season. Not a very good Gamecocks team, but Javon Kinlaw was out there, okay? Conway's Brian Edwards, Union's Shai Smith, and former Tiger and Spartanburg Viking Tavian Feaster. South Carolina came up with a goal line stand, but the Tigers didn't blink. I loved what I saw out of Clemson in that game. They were in championship mode. Beat Clemson, uh, beat South Carolina 38-3. to Number 12 on the list, Boston College last season. Easy to forget. Now, why is Boston College the victory over BC ranked this highly? Easy to forget. That BC team ranked number 17 in the country when Clemson played them. A long way from home again, just like the Louisville trip. Clemson rolled up to Chestnut Hill. Not an easy place to play. When the leaves have turned and it's gotten cooler, you take up those athletes from Florence, Snellville, and Jennings. And sometimes the eyes get wide. They're shivering on the sideline. Not these guys. And again, A.J. Dillon's going to be playing on an NFL team next year. And Clemson shut him down. Held him to just 39 yards in that game. Really impressive victory. And one more to review. Number 11 on the list. NC State last year. Ryan Finley's last season. No excuses for NC State to get blown out. Except for there is an enormous gap in coaching and talent between Clemson and Raleigh right now. So, uh, ranked team on the road, and Clemson rolled. We'll get into the top 10 when we come back on the Locked on Clemson podcast. The 10th ranked victory by me in order of significance in Clemson's 29-game winning streak. It's your team every day. Be sure to check us out on Google, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcast, including LockedOnPodcast.com. More pressure from the Blue Devils. Clemson gets it over. Newman. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. Matt Smith here with you talking about all things Clemson. We will have Will Merritt help us close the week out coming up Tomorrow, we'll also reach out to some other personalities from around the state, and they're going to grade my top 29 wins for Clemson in terms of significance. We just stopped at number 10, and let me just put a quick pin in that. Let's get back to basketball for just a minute. I want to let you hear what Brad Brelnell had to say about the team last night in a couple of specific spots, a couple of important elements to Clemson's game as they start to shape who they are. And this is happening fast. Clemson has already played eight ACC games. Who they are and what the committee thinks of them is being shaped right now in front of us. And Clemson, again, shooting just 38% from the foul line over the last two games. That won't get it done against this weekend's opponent, Louisville. And Clemson is going 
to Louisville. And the committee is always watching. It's unlikely Clemson goes up there, pulls the upset against, against one of the best teams in the country. But how do you perform? And can you find answers? Because if Louisville does what Wake Forest did or what NC State did, throw a zone at Clemson. How do you beat it? And what if Hunter Tyson isn't knocking down shots? How do you free up Amir Sims? He couldn't wiggle free against Wake Forest. I thought his athleticism would win the day, but the seven-footer gave him issues. And Brad Brownell himself says, Amir's got to do more on nights like that. Got to challenge him to stay inside, make plays, even when you don't feel like you have a matchup advantage. So we'll get back to the top 29 wins in Clemson's 29 game winning streak in order of significance in just a minute. But I want you to hear what Brad Brownell said about his team's players, specifically AAU mentality and how to overcome it. Brad Brownell says losing is not acceptable. And some of these millennial players view it differently because of their AAU background. And it's something he's working to overcome with the team. Kids are a little different now. You know, our guys, losing doesn't sometimes bother kids as much as I think it should. Um, you know, and so even though we played very hard against NC State and um, had some chances, um, you know, I just, you know, sometimes guys are ready to get past it. It's a little bit of the AAU mentality where you play four games in a day. So if you lose at 9 o'clock, you're playing at 1. And if you win, you play at 12. So, it, you know, you kind of get numb to it. And I think as a coach, you got to, Remind your guys that winning is hard, um, but losing is is not acceptable. I wanted you to hear Coach Brennell talk about that. I think that's absolutely fascinating. If you think about the generational aspects to it and with the rise of AAU, and just as Coach Brennell laid it out, those players play one game at, at noon, the next game at 1.30, they could shake off a loss. But in the world of ACC hoops, you don't shake off losses. They stick with you. They stick with your record. That is your resume for the committee and the NCAA tournament, which is how Brad Brownell puts food on the table and how Clemson as a program improves and makes strides. So important. And you have to convince 17, 18, 19-year-old players of the importance of each game as it comes, especially on the conference schedule. Again, Clemson coming up uh, with Louisville. And that's why free throws are so important. Clemson could have won this game over Wake Forest going away if they would have shot anywhere near reasonable, a reasonable percentage, just not 6 of 16 and missing multiple front ends on one and ones. But – Coach Brownell has seen this before, so he's not panicking about foul shooting. This is a team that had been shooting 70% from the free throw line prior to the loss at NC State where they just fell apart. So he has a pretty good attitude about it, and he understands pretty obviously it's not a physical hurdle, but a mental one. We uh, we haven't shot it well the last couple games, and, and uh, prior to that we've been doing okay. Not great, but but okay, and... Um, you know, we got to do better. If we're going to win these games, it, it puts too much pressure on you. So, um, you know, hopefully our guys will make a few. We shoot them in practice, but um, it's different in a game. And so now you just got to get up there and knock them down. 
our guys are in all the time shooting and shooting free throws and um, all those kinds of things, and that's all great. But then there's seven or 8,000 people watching you do it, and it's different. And the final comments from Brad Brownell that I wanted to make sure we got to you on this edition of the Locked on Clemson podcast is about who Clemson is as an offensive team. We talked about it at the open. Scoring is hard for Clemson. And Coach Brownell, I think, crystallizes exactly why it's hard for this particular team and what they have to do in order to be successful offensively put enough points on the board to knock off quality teams and continue this march toward an NCAA bid. You know, we, we don't have a lot of prolific scoring. Um, so it's it's hard for our team sometimes. Uh, we've got to kind of use everybody. You know, we got a line tonight where we got one guy with 21 and 7, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 5, 7. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of our team right now. We You know, it'd be nice to have – um, three guys at 15 or more, and we've had that a couple times. That's how we, you know, we beat Duke, um, and that's probably what we're going to need if we're going to beat teams like Louisville and Florida State. And but that's not easy for our team, um, you know. And so we we've, we've got to figure out what we can do every night to kind of put some points on the board. And sometimes it's going to be different guys, different matchups. Um, today it was Hunter Tyson's day, and he played really well. So that's a wrap for Coach Brownell and Clemson beating Wake Forest 71-68. The Tigers outscored Wake 40-31 in the second half. Great halftime adjustments there from Coach Brownell, and the players came out and executed the vision, especially Hunter Tyson. Tip of the cap to Hunter for being, as Coach Brownell said it, man of the match. But now the next challenge for Clemson, one of the toughest places to play at Louisville, the KFC Yum Center. That is coming up Saturday at 2 o'clock. Be sure to stay locked in here on the Locked On Clemson podcast. We will have the latest odds for you, the movement in Las Vegas, what people are thinking, the health of both teams coming up as we preview that one. Your team every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, I promised before we left today, though, I would give you my opinion for the 10th most significant game in Clemson's 29-game winning streak. It is South Carolina 2018, 56-35. Again, not a great South Carolina team, but just ask the NFC West. Just ask the Green Bay Packers about Debo Samuel. Carolina put up yards against what was the nation's best defense in Clemson, and don't forget, they went on to prove that, 15-0, but Trevor Lawrence answered the bell over and over, completing 75% of his passes, threw for 393 yards. He let the Gamecocks know Clemson was owning this game until he leaves campus. They'll, of course, be big favorites again next year over South Carolina. So two blowouts already under Trevor Lawrence's belt. It's like Charlie Whitehurst every year for South Carolina now. Travis Etienne also blazed for 150 yards on the ground, and the Tigers put up 744 yards of total offense. Isaiah Isaiah Simmons had 10 tackles. So the stars were shining for Clemson in a 56-35 win over South Carolina. I know the defense didn't have their best performance, but that was proof that when Lawrence and ETN needed to be at their best, they could be. And it's precisely 
why Clemson has been 29-1 and over the last two seasons, including a national championship and a pair of ACC titles. So, we're into the top 10 now. Top 29 wins for Clemson uh, in their 29-game winning streak. We'll get some more opinions on this. It won't just be mine, but I wanted to get back to this list because it's a fun feature to do here during basketball season because I don't know how much time we'll spend previewing Louisville and Clemson. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, and Clemson can't shoot the way they have from the foul line and have any prayer up there in Louisville, Kentucky. But we'll see if they can turn that around and have a wrinkle ready for Louisville. And maybe Amir Sims can have a big game. Clemson pulls the upset and leads Sports Center. All right, so that's what we'll do. We'll preview that. We'll have Will Merritt come back with us. We'll have Anthony Greer from Fox Sports Spartanburg back with us. And we are still reaching back out to some of our Clemson legends. We've already talked to people like Danny Ford and LaVon Kirkland. We've got more on the way. So just stay tuned in and locked on here on the Locked On Clemson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.